Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Be You with Declan Edwards. You are about to tune in and listen to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Wizards of Wellbeing podcast. So as you know, we do a a mini-series on this show uh, called Wizards of Wellbeing, where I invite people on who are guest experts, who I feel really are creating magic in the world and in the lives of others. And today's guest is no exception to that rule. I'm joined by an incredible man by the name of Scott Bidmead. Now, Scott is a friend of mine from the last couple of years. He's also a business owner, entrepreneur, and passionate advocate for well-being and mental health. Scott and I first connected when we were doing our positive psychology qualification together. And since then, I've seen him go from strength to strength, shifting his PR and media company to focus on purpose-driven stories, moving to the US and interviewing and hanging out with celebrities such as Margot Robbie, Morgan Freeman, and Jason Momoa. Before that, he was a a presenter on Totally Wild. He's a a television personality. But the thing I love about Scott is he's down-to-earth, humble, nature. He's very focused on making a difference in other people's lives and in what it means to live the good life, to live a happy and fulfilling life. And that's the concept that we really dove into in this interview that you're about to hear. We spent a lot of time focusing on the changes Scott has gone through personally over the last couple of years and really diving into the question, what does it mean to listen to our intuition, to come back to gut instinct and to live a happy and fulfilling life? And Scott's perspective on this is absolutely phenomenal. He also lets us in on some exciting developments with his brand new startup, Yuda, which is a workplace well-being platform. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about this man. I'm so proud to have him on the show and so excited for you to hear this interview. So with that said, I'm going to put you out of your misery and stop building the tension. We're going to jump straight into it and welcome Scott Bidmead to the show. Well, mate, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. I know we had a little bit of a moment this morning where I think I was in flow on a project. I think you were in flow on a project and we went, oh my God, we're meant to be doing an interview right now and frantically put it together. You did ask just before I pressed record on this and I feel like our listeners deserve to hear this as well. Did I manage to get pants on before jumping into the interview? Uh, yes, I did. I can confirm. I have not actually asked that question back to you before pressing record. Uh, are you wearing pants today? <laughs> I am, yes. Today's okay. one of those days. And I love the fact that we've got to this point in human history where that is like an acceptable thing to ask because of the whole COVID, whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I think we're going ahead with what seems to already be a very professional interview. I love that I just saw you drinking from a wine glass at 10 a.m. in the morning. There are no rules. Very classy. When it comes to this, I, got... I drink my, my water with, from a wine glass and I always pop a pinky. <laughs> We've got pants on and water in wine glasses. This is going to be a very classy, very professional interview. Mate, I'm honestly really excited to have you here. This is one I've been wanting to do for a while now. Obviously, you and I got a chance to connect. Jeez, it'd be over a year ago now, wouldn't it? Close to. It would be, surely. Even longer, I think. Yeah, close to two. Um, Doing our positive psychology training together. And I think from the get-go, you and I really connected, really gelled. We've got similar perspectives on a lot of things. Uh, And I know that since then, I've been really grateful for the friendship we've formed, but also to see you grow and develop and really pursue some things that you're really interested and passionate about in that space of well-being. But I know when you and I first connected, if we rewind a little bit, you were working predominantly in PR and in media. 
And I remember at the time thinking, this is really interesting that there's this guy who works in PR and media studying positive psychology. When I distinctly remember being told when I did journalism, uh, first year university, that I would never get published if I wrote good news because the saying was, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm. And I remember thinking, well, hang on, this guy's out here focusing on things that are, you know, good and uplifting and has experience in media and PR and yet really focusing on positive psychology. And I remember way back when thinking, I've got to ask him about that and the relationship there and your perspective on this. So mate, talk me through that. Talk me through over the last couple of years, that journey of sort of becoming interested in positive psychology and in well-being, but also how that either gelled or clashed with where you were currently at at the time in PR and in media. Yeah, it was kind of like, it's, yeah, it was a coming together of the worlds almost. It was like, for my whole life, I'd always been interested in self-development. And I think that kind of started with um, kickboxing when I was really young, like 15, 16, I got into Muay Thai kickboxing and like became super obsessed with it and it changed my life. And the discipline and the mindsets and stuff like that were really helpful. And then I think from that, I mean, like my dad taught me how to meditate when I was like 11. So that has always been a big part of my life. And then I got into yoga. And so there's always been that side of me. And then the journalism side, obviously I went to uni and I first studied journalism and media, went on to host TV shows, travel shows, totally wild, like all of these random kind of shows. Then I started my agency, which is a production and PR, was production and PR. Now it's just the PR film agency. And yeah, so I kind of did that, but then I was also doing business at the same time and then upskilling myself in psychology because one of my, not only was it a passion, but I'd also realized that the best journalists and the best hosts were also an expert in something and were also, they had their own thing. They weren't just the, the host, they weren't just the journalist, but they were, they brought their own passion and their own experience to it. And I think for me, that was, it was a natural fit to go down the psychology pathway. And then, yeah, it's just kind of become a bit of a blended career in, in, in terms of that sense and the businesses. And now I think everything's driven by that. Like my main things, it's business, it's film and TV and it's well-being. And that might sound like quite separate things, but I've kind of found a way to marry them together quite nicely and it, it works and I love it and I'm passionate about it and it's got purpose and yeah. I'm pretty grateful. Yeah, 100%. I love that perspective of actually coming at, you know, I'm a huge believer in coming at business from a perspective of purpose as well and meaning and impact. Um, I'm imagining, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, that that transition, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen immediately. There's a lot of challenge and struggle and self-reflection involved in that to go, why am I actually doing this at the end of the day? And I know for a lot of our listeners, they are in a place where, uh, it's coming back to that why and the heart and the meaning and the purpose behind what they do each and every day. Talk to me about some of those moments for you. Cause I know obviously, you know, I've been quite close uh, with each other over the last couple years. I know there's been a few sort of tipping points and a few big decisions and a few moments where there was that coming back to, well, you know, why do I actually want to do this? Or what do I want my life to be about? What actually fulfills me? What's actually meaningful to me rather than just taking maybe we'd call it the logical option or the safe option mm. or the log, you know, the smart next step um, and following maybe a, a quote unquote normal societal path for happiness and a good life. Actually coming back to that intuition and tuning back to self, run me through how that's played a role in your journey over the last few years. That is a great question because when I stop and think about it, I would say one of my superpowers and one of the, one of the biggest ways 
things that have helped me to get to where I am today has literally been my ability to self-reflect and to take a step back and have a look at what I'm doing, what I want. And, and to the point where, and yeah, like you said, I mean, just over a year ago, I've actually, I'm actually writing a book about this at the moment, which is quite interesting, the last year and a bit of my life, which was absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I was living in Adelaide and I had a, a long-term partner and an office and a house and all this kind of stuff. Then I sold it all and I moved to LA and I had this experience with, you know, working with Jason Momoa and celebrities. And, and then I kind of refined my business and my purpose. And I think a lot of it just comes down to that self-reflection and really stepping back, asking yourself, is this what I'm passionate about? Is this what motivates me? Is this aligned with my purpose? Is the work I'm doing making me happy and, and filling me with joy and fun? And so, yeah, like it's just, it's a matter of that self-reflection. And there's been moments where literally I will have butcher's paper out and I'll just stick it over my, across my wall, like a crazy, I don't know, like Rain Man kind of situation. And I'm literally just working out what, what, inspires me and motivates me and, and how can I give back and a sense of purpose and I think the concept of PERMA in positive psychology has been something which when I understood that concept and obviously that stands for positive emotion engagement relationship meaning and accomplishment and those things together make up the whole life and authentic happiness and I think it's when I kind of really understood that concept and I started to look at my life in those different segments and then I started to realize what was out of balance and how to kind of refine that. And I think, yeah, a big thing comes down to that self-reflection and intuition kind of when you, when you, something doesn't feel right and you've got an opportunity, trusting that instinct and just going for it. So yeah, I think self-reflection has been a big one. And how do you tune back into that intuition and really connect with that self-reflection? Cause I know, a lot of people fall into the trap of being so busy and so focused on all the external factors and opportunities going on in the world. We really lose touch with tuning back in to ourselves. You obviously mentioned butcher's paper all over the wall and having a Rain Man moment, or I imagine the, what's the one with uh, uh, Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting? Goodwill Hunting. He comes wow, out and solves, solves the, the maths equation yeah. on the whiteboard. I'm imagining that, like you've just walked past the butcher's yeah. paper one day and gone, there it is. <laughs> it is. I do. I do have those moments of inspiration and those moments mm. of clarity. And I think sometimes it does come from flow and it's kind of trusting that and then expressing that I could be writing, I could be running, I could be surfing, whatever it is, but sometimes you just hit with that little the thought and it's a spark and that kind of, you need to just listen to that and, and, and take the time for the stillness. And then I think as well, meditation, having, having moments of, introspection and moments of time to yourself sometimes we get so caught up and we're so busy that we're always doing something we're always technology or we're watching something or with people or with this or with that and and i think yeah for me it's i i do enjoy that time by myself and i enjoy that time where i can slow down and actually just journal write or and then those kind of reflections and clarity comes from that it's almost that process right of like slowing down and quietening the world because the world is is very loud these days there's 100 what is even like the amount of noise that we get in terms of advertising and messaging and marketing it's mm-hmm. um, we've never lived at a louder time in in human history and I, I do worry that that loudness does i mean i i find for myself like intuition doesn't scream at whispers 
Like for me, my best realizations, my best little breakthroughs, my best light bulb moments have not come in this profound light falling from the heavens moment of absolute clarity. It's these been tiny little whispers that have added up time and time and time again for me listening to them and tuning in and actually uh, giving myself the space for it. What do you feel helps you really, I guess, quieten down the noise and, and tune back in um, for yourself as well? I think doing things that for me, like flow is a huge thing. And I've, mm. I've experienced, I've experienced flow throughout my life. I was first exposed to the concept of flow through kickboxing as well. And I always loved sparring because I would get into flow and I would completely forget my whole sense of self. And I was completely immersed in that experience. And by doing that, it kind of switched off that thinking brain and that some of the noise and I was able to reconnect. And then after those experiences, you're, you're kind of given this, this kind of moment of just peacefulness and that and now for me flow comes also creates creatively so I randomly got into painting and that was a, a way to get into flow and obviously writing is a big one for me and yeah I think finding flow is really helpful doing things you enjoy bringing yourself putting yourself out there and putting yourself in situations that might not be the norm and I think yeah and so talk to us a little bit more about flow because it's something that keeps coming up sort of in your journey and your story. And uh, if there's people listening who've never heard of that term or that concept before, um, how do you normally describe it to people? How do you sort of uh, explore the concept of flow? I think flow for me is, and, and a pretty kind of a simple way to understand it, I think is when you, everyone's experienced flow, they might not label it as that, they might not know what it is, they might have had glimpses of it or tastes of it. But flow is, is the moment when it is the moment. Flow is when you're completely immersed in the present moment, most of the time through action. So it's almost mindfulness through action. Some people can do it surfing, they're surfing and, and they lose a sense of themselves. It's when your skill level meets challenge. So you're, you, you have to commit to a task and you have to be immersed in it. But then you also have a level of mastery so that you can get into that you, like you, you look at experts, you look at the, the masters, the craftsmen around the world, they get to that point where they're so skilled that it almost becomes second nature. And then when they put that skill with the, the, the action of doing the thing and they click into that flow state or fall into the flow state, that's where the beauty happens. And that's where my best work happens. And that's where creative ideas come from and, you know, masterpieces and art so if, yeah i think for people to kind of realize it in their own life it can be something as simple as and there's different types of flow some people might be more inclined to get into flow by doing creative work painting art whatever that might be or maybe it's more sport exercise activity but essentially it's just that moment that you've experienced where you lose sense of yourself you're completely immersed in the task you forget your to-do lists and you have a sense of competency so it's it's authentic. It's, it's flow. The word's fucking perfect. Sums it up. <laughs> I love it. Man. Yeah. It's like that sense of we're not forcing anything. It's yeah. really, and it's funny. We see that you mentioned, obviously we see it a lot in experts. I love that idea of, um, I remember when I was learning about flow, I forget where I was or who showed me this clip, but they showed me a series of clips of interviews with top level athletes after they've broken a world record or won a game or some, some big moment in sporting history. And of course, the reporter always asks the question, what was going on in your head out there? Or, you know, can you describe what just happened? And the funny thing, they put together this compilation of clips. It was basically 
everyone saying the exact same thing like they've had this pre-rehearsed script because in reality chances are they probably don't even fucking know what happened out there they were so in the moment so absorbed they weren't consciously making decisions or thinking about what the next move would be it just happened so intuitively and so organically um actually the, the clip that i watched there was a athlete who introduced it he's like this is why we all look like we're really stupid when you interview us afterwards. Because <laughs> like, we're trying, to, yeah. Because it's almost—it is almost like a a trip in an in an instance. Like you know, when you when you really get into that flow state, you, it's just happening. So it's hard to describe. And it's like you look at. Have you seen the new documentary with Michael Jordan? Uh yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, Last Dance. I'm four episodes in, five episodes in. Right. So the Last Dance, Michael Jordan. When you see that man get the ball and he moves down the court and he does what he has trained himself to do over and over and over again. And he has a level of competence and he has a level of talent and he has a level of engagement and meaning and reason why he's doing that. It's just, it's like art. You watch a move, it's incredible. So that I think is just the perfect visual representation of flow is just that movement. It's just easy. It's, and, and people around it, it's like, what is going on? How do you, how do you compete with that? Because you can't, you can't compete unless, you know, so. And so mate, uh, taking a little bit of a, a change of direction and a pivot, I'm, I'm curious as well about finding out more about some of the new developments that you're working on and the things that you're quite passionate and excited about now. Um, I don't know how much is uh, on the record and publicly knowledge yet and how much is secret upcomings, but the, the more information you can give us, the better. Tell me more about this project. Yeah, with uh, with workplace well-being and bringing concepts like flow and um, mindfulness and well-being back into our workspaces and back into you know places where we realistically spend a fair chunk of our lives. A massive proportion of the population spends. I think these days it's forty percent of our waking hours in life are spent at work and in the office. Um, so talk to me about this. Yeah, so it's the new, I think obviously you're referring to the startup Yuda, which is super exciting. Um, and it has been launched. So we've officially launched it. It's kind of, it's all happening. We've got a few incredible organizations on board already. And the whole idea behind it is it's software technology making corporate well-being easy. So it's about empowering HR teams and corporate teams to get more. And a big thing right now is We've been working on it for a long time, like over a year, my business partner and I, who's a software developer, have been workshopping this idea. Even while I was in America, I was kind of chipping away. It's always been in the back. And then I think we really ramped it up with what's happening right now with COVID-19. We've realized the fact that everyone's working remotely. Well-being's more important now than ever. So yeah, essentially it's called UDA, which stands for Eudaimonic Wellbeing, the ultimate form of fulfillment. And it's an app, it's a dashboard, and it's expert programs, which can be rolled out. So it's all about essentially teams can get insights. You can have your voice heard. So if you're an employee, you get the app specific to how you're feeling in the moment. You get content based on that. So it could be meditations, articles, podcasts. You can then track how you're feeling, see how you're progressing over time, and then also have anonymous messages to your staff and to your HR team. And then they can roll out programs specific to the goal that they want to achieve to their, to their organization. Yeah. And I love the, the concept and the idea behind it. Cause I know something we've seen quite a bit. We work uh, a lot in the education space and with schools for workplace wellbeing. And it's something I've seen in schools, something I've seen in, in corporate workplaces as well. This idea of 
either reactive well-being, so they're doing things when shit hits the fan and then trying to fix the workplace, or just guesswork. Like they're they're throwing strategies at the wall and hoping it sticks. I'll never forget I was talking to um, one of the biggest companies, literally in the world. I was in uh, Dallas and had a meeting with one of their head of um, HR team. And I said, oh, so how do you currently decide what topics to do for staff training and development? He's like, really, it's whoever's come in most recently and sold us a topic. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, if someone's come in and pitched the idea of leadership training really well, we'll run leadership training. I'm like, yeah. your team doesn't need that though. What if they need training on emotional resilience or burnout? He's like, yep, that's a good point. <laughs> and I was like, exactly. this is how you run? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the craziest things for me and, and throughout the studies and when we're obviously studying psychology, I kind of started to have these realizations and I was like, there is no real, real system or structure or to get insights. And I think in, especially in a big corporation, insight is power. And if you can see how your staff is feeling, if you can see what trends are, what things are happening and you have more knowledge, knowledge is power. And then you can take action on that knowledge versus that approach where it's complete guesswork. And it's like, do a bit of this, throw a little bit of this and there. Sure. Hope for the best. But it's like, we don't do that with our accounting and our numbers. So why do we do that with our well-being? And, and that's, I think, what UDA is all about is empowering businesses and HR teams with information, but then also giving them active things they can do with that information. And also the preemptive stuff, because that's the, the game we're playing in is in preemptive, building well-being, building resilience, building productivity over time before shit hits the fan. Yeah, I love that approach. And mate, if we loop back to the name, Yuda, obviously you said short for eudaimonia or eudaimonic happiness, um, which is a concept and a term that I'm obviously quite familiar with. I think it's one that's very much overlooked by uh, general society. We tend to pursue more that hedonic happiness and that quick spike of happiness. And I call it the yellow smiley face happiness is what a lot of people pursue. Uh, that really sort of elated feeling of happiness. Talk to me more about eudaimonic happiness and, and what that means. Yeah, so for me, I think it always spoke to me when I was in the readings and, and the study that I've done. I just, I kept seeing it, it is a bit of a trend. It almost just kept popping up to me. Eudaimonic happiness, fulfillment, meaning, purpose, all of these kind of words. And essentially it started, Aristotle was one of the first people to coin the term. And it was all about living the good life and a purposeful life and a life of giving back and, and building something bigger than just yourself. And for me, that, that really spoke to me. And I think that's kind of where the name came from. It also, you to man, you to woman. That's pretty, you know, you can get around that. But yeah, <laughs> eudaimonic happiness itself. <laughs> eudaimonic happiness itself, I think, you know, according to Aristotle, it, was the, it is the ultimate goal to find eudaimonic happiness in your life. And it's, it's a goal. It's, it's not easy to find that sense of meaning and fulfillment, but I think we can, use, we can use that motivation and we can push for that. So yeah, for me, eudaimonic happiness is it's the deep stuff. It's going under the surface and, and being fulfilled and content. And it's not just being successful on the outside. It's not just kicking goals. And, you know, it's about the deeper sense of purpose and happiness and fulfillment and engagement and meaning. And that is what we want to achieve. So, uh, yeah. And it's just cool as well. You know, the, the Greek, the tide of the philosophy and yeah. And so I'm curious, mate. I mean, obviously over the last couple of years, as you said, it's been, a solid year even whilst you were living in the u.s working on this project and making these shifts and pivots and changes personally and professionally for you where to from here like we've now got it out what are the next steps what's the 
the 12 to 24 month uh, dream for, for you and for Utah? I would say 100%. I've, I always look at it like, it was weird. I was sitting there the other day and I was thinking, and there's so much process of refining and tweaking and it's almost like job crafting, but your life crafting. And I feel like for a long time I've been getting the things I need to do what I know I want to do and need to do and tweaking and aligning. And now it's almost like the fields opened up and I can see where I need to go. And, I, and I've got the path is made clear and it's just a matter of going for it. So that's where I'm at. And essentially that looks like Mead Media, which is my production company, working on incredible film projects with purpose. Um, documentaries, we've shot a pilot for an amazing show with Jason Momoa's best friend, Matter. We've got some, some cool stuff happening in that space. I've got the book, which I'm working on, which hopefully will be out soon. And then obviously Yuda is, is yeah, it's going to be a big push. We're, we're hoping to build it, to grow it. We've got an office in Surrey Hills now in Sydney. Got some incredible people involved and some, some experts. And I think the goal is just to build that into a very sustainable, holistic business, which can scale and grow. And I want to work on it as much as possible. So splitting my time between, and it's people say like, how do you juggle all the things and that? And I think I've got down, I've got to a, a point where I can quite well juggle and delegate. And yeah, so it'll just be going, going down that path. Mm. Like I love game. as well with like, well, we're juggling on it too. It's not like, I feel like a lot of people fall into the trap with juggling if they're actually trading off things that matter to them. Whereas it sounds like you've just got three particular vehicles or three um, opportunities that all at the end of the day, come back to that sense of purpose and meaning for you. They come back to what you feel really matters in your life. So they're all valid and viable expressions of that. Um, I think a lot of people yeah. get trapped in that idea of we have to have one purpose, one vehicle, one, you know, direction to be very lazy. I struggled with that. I struggled with that for such a long time. Mm. And it, it just that concept of you have to be a specialist, but, but what's your job title? What's your one thing? And I'm like, well, uh, you know, I do a bit of this and I've got this and I've got that. And people are like, Oh, well, that's weird. You know, you're not a doctor. You're not a lawyer. You're not a this. And I think as soon as I came to terms with that, that mm. I'm not that, and I accepted it, that's where I really started to realize that it's, it's a strength. And there's the concept of a Renaissance person. And I, and I love that concept of someone who can, back in the day, it wasn't about being a specialist when there was like the Da Vinci's and stuff like that. It was about, you had to speak multiple languages and you were an artist and you could speak and you had business ventures. And, and I love that. And, and you were a master of these different things. And I think that is for me, that's, more of a goal and more of an inspiration than just mastering one industry and being one thing for my whole life. But it still has to have that through line. So there's a lot of opportunities that I turn down and things that I, I'm getting better at saying no to things now because I'm, I've got a more clearer picture of that through line and that driving core purpose. And, and then everything kind of has to fit in around that to an extent. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's such a freeing thing to do to have that, Again, coming back to having that clarity in relationship with our own intuition, having that uh, clarity around our own vision and our blueprint for what matters to us in life, it, we can almost use it as a bit of a, a litmus test and a bit of a barrier for when things do come in. I think a common thing people get caught up in is that shiny object syndrome of always saying yes to the next exciting opportunity. But if we can draw back and go, well, hang on, does this align with what matters to me? Does this align with my vision and values? Does this help me move closer to the impact I want to make in my life and in the world as a whole? It makes it a lot easier to know when to say yes and no and to be okay, as you said, with taking on 
maybe multiple projects and not falling into that. I've got to have this single granular laser focused identity, um, which I absolutely love. Mate, I could, yeah, I could uh, talk to you about this stuff all day because it's right up my alley. I absolutely love it. And I, I know you and I really gel, but I am particularly excited for what's about to happen. I gave you a little bit of a warning at the start of the show. I said, uh, <laughs> the end of every show we have a surprise game that we spring upon our guests and uh, you're no exception to that rule so what we're going to do is we're going to take a very brief pause to hear from our amazing sponsors of the show and then when we come back you're going to be jumping into the mystery game let's do it i'm ready <sighs> damn that is a good coffee and you know what I think makes good coffee even greater? When it's doing good for the world. And that's exactly what our friends over at Monkey Brew are doing with their environmentally friendly and sustainable coffee range. Now, if you're a long-time listener of the show, you'd remember these guys, Monkey Brew were partners of ours in season one, and they've chosen to continue that relationship with us into season two. But my God, they've upped the ante. They've taken things to a whole new level. Let me tell you how. So one big change they've made, which I absolutely love, is for every kilo of coffee that they sell now, they plant a native Australian tree. So you can actually track and see the outcome of your morning coffee habit. How cool is that? Not only are you getting to start the day with a great cup of coffee, you're doing it with a good conscience, and you're doing it knowing that you've contributed to their big mission of planting entire forests of native Australian trees. And the other thing they've done, which I'm so grateful for, is decided to give you guys a few really cool opportunities on how you can start your environmentally friendly coffee habit and routine and journey with them. So the first option is if you're a bit of a bit of a maestro with coffee already, you kind of you've got the hang of it, you know your jam, you're a bit of a guru already and you know what you're doing with home brewing. What you want to do if this is the case is head to Monkey Brew you're going to go to their sampler pack. Now, the sampler pack gives you a chance to try a few of their different environmentally friendly coffees, find your flavor, find your style, find the one that really speaks to you, and then continue your journey forward with them from there. If, on the other hand, you're more like me and you think the idea of home brewing is a bit overwhelming, a bit daunting, maybe you've never done it before and you don't know where to start, well, then the best thing you can do is get their intro to brewing pack. So this is going to give you a chance to try some of the coffees, but it's also going to teach you how to brew them at home and how to make amazing cups of coffee in the morning in a way that doesn't take a ton of time or a ton of know-how. I love how simple they make it. So for either of these, what you're going to want to do is head to https colon forward slash forward slash monkeybrew.org forward slash collections. And here's the tricky part. This is where you got to keep an ear at forward slash brewing dash and dash sample dash packs now if you can't remember all of that don't worry the link is in the show notes in the show notes of every show when you go there what you're going to want to do is choose either the sampler pack or the intro to brewing pack and then put in the code bu podcast at the checkout because that's going to get you five dollars off your first order so thank you again to monkey Roo. we love what you guys are doing we're so proud to be connected with you for season two of this show and as I said, make sure for everyone listening, you go connect with Monkey Brew and you start your journey and you start your day with a great cup of coffee that's doing good in the world. Amazing.
Okay, so before I reveal the mystery game, how are you feeling coming into the mystery game? I feel great. This is lovely. I'm so <laughs> glad we've done this. <laughs> Mate, this takes me back to, for a moment then, I just had a flashback to uh, Thai food and, and pink milk dates. Yeah, um, when we first had that link of like, we're on the fucking same page, man. <laughs> like, there was this moment where our eyes yeah. met. I looked at you across uh, across a crowded restaurant with a cocktail in hand and went, there's something here. There's something in this. And here we are all these years later now having these conversations. I love that. And it's exciting what, what's, what's to come from there, from here. 100%. People like us. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, I think it's the opportunity to, to make that ripple effect. It's something I've really admired and respected in you as well is seeing that it's it's growth for the purpose of contribution right it's growing so that we can give it's it's working on ourselves and becoming the best versions of ourselves so that we can make an impact in other people's lives um yeah it's something i've always looked up to and inspired you know i've been inspired by seeing your journey and some of the shifts you've made over the last couple of years but with all that said mm. let's reveal the prop for the mystery let's game do it so, as I said, last, last season, we just had a little black book full of mystery questions. And now we have a giant wheel oh, of yes. mystery questions. So, I will... This is incredible. This just adds a little bit of variety to the show, a little bit of madness to it. So, I will give you the choice to... Do you want me to spin it clockwise or anti-clockwise? Uh, let's, go, let's go clockwise. Okay, so I'm going to push this up on this let's side. Let's okay? What's the go. name of this game? It needs a name. Well, it's kind of like the price is right, but there's no money to be won and there's only ah. big secrets to be shared. Okay, um, here we go. I love that it's got the clicker. It's just, okay. This is fantastic. Okay, so you landed on the pink one, which is our Mythbuster topic. So Mythbuster is not only a great show that I loved watching growing up, uh, it is a little segment we do at the end if you land on the mystery Mythbuster segment, which is, what are some common myths that people think either about you or about what you do? So what are some misconceptions that people have had along the way about either you as a person or you and what you do for work? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a tricky one. I think one of them, it's always been a bit of a misconception that I've almost played into to an extent is my age. Like I remember when I was at university and I was 18 and I first started my first company, and we were doing, yeah, like PR and marketing stuff with my best friend. I would pull up at these like huge organizations and I, we had a client, landed a client, it was like this huge government super clinic thing. And I'm 18 years old, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I would park my shitty P-plated car around the corner wearing my like Zara, uh, whatever suit, like, you know, super, whatever suit I could get my hands on. And I would go in and I would just be this, you know, and I would just get shit done. And I think that was definitely a misconception for a long time. No one knew how old I was. It's like, is he like 30 or like what? 20? I don't know. So yeah, that's a little myth. Um, what else have we got? That I think there's one kind of concept that I find interesting in terms of luck cheapens a lot of hard work. And I think for some of like maybe, I don't know, there's just been a bit of a misconception sometimes I think where it's like, oh, you're so lucky. Like you're so lucky that you got that opportunity. You're so lucky that you landed that opportunity. And it's like, if only you fucking knew the shit that I have gone through and put in and the work and the networking and the hustling and the upskilling and the, the moments of doubt to get 
get to that point, to get to that lucky opportunity, it would blow you away. So I think that's it's definitely a misconception is that, you know, you're very lucky. Yes, there's been an element of luck and, and serendipity to, to some extent would maybe be a better word. But I think, yeah, luck cheapens a lot of hard work and opportunity can come. But if you're not equipped to take it and if you don't go for it and put yourself out there, then it means nothing. So... Mm. Man, I, I love that. It's something I see so often as well. And now that you've actually mentioned the first one as well, I actually have no idea how old you are. And I love that this is going to be some enduring mystery of the universe now. Um, up there with the unsolvable mathematical equations will also be how old is Scott Bidwell? See, I got you. There you go. You did not know. For the record, it is time to open the book. We're going to come clean on it. We're going to bust this myth wide open. <laughs> It was my birthday two days ago and I officially turned 27. So I'm now in the 27 club. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, hopefully yeah. not the 27 club that we're familiar with. Hopefully well, we're yes. out yeah, of you at least. Kind of yes. Thing, there yeah. you go. Well, that, that myth has been put to bed. It's been settled. Mate, thank you for playing uh, the mystery wheel with me and, and just being open to some randomness. Uh, for people who have listened to the show and, and really sort of resonated with you and your story and what you've been working on, where can they best connect with you from here? And, and particularly, where can they uh, find out about bringing Uda into their workplace as well? So in terms of Uda, the best place to go is Uda.co, which is E-U-D-A.co. And you can essentially find out a bit more, watch a video, register your interest, have a bit of a chat and that kind of stuff. If you want to follow my journey, which is, you know, more my career and personal stuff that I put out and businesses and all that kind of stuff instagram is probably the best platform so it's just scott bidmead on insta and uh yeah that's pretty much it amazing we'll have the links for both of those in the show notes as well uh mate any final thoughts or uh any final pieces of, of wisdom or what do you this is actually a, a good way to, to bring it home what's one thing you really hope people take from this conversation we've had today i would say The big thing is the fact that wherever you are in your life, and even if you don't have that sense of clarity and purpose and realization, to realize that it is possible to get to that point and that there are steps and processes and things that you can do to really refine that vision and the clarity and the purpose and then go after it and make it happen. And I think it's the concept of like, everyone talks about how to follow your dreams, but how do you figure out what to dream about? And I think that is there is a way to figure that out and it's a it's about self-discovery it's about putting yourself out there it's about being open to opportunities finding a mentor or a coach it's about taking those steps and and finding a better sense of purpose and clarity in your life and finding eudaimonic happiness that's the goal that's what we're all about so i think yeah it's just the fact that it's doable it's achievable that, that process and that step can start right now and that journey can start right now. And it is a journey and it will be hard, but you can do it and put as much flow and presence as you can into your life and just enjoy it. That's me. I'm happy. Very well said. And what a, what a mic drop moment to end on. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Scott Bidmead, I can formally and officially say now, you da man. And thank ah. you for coming onto the show today and spending some time with us and sharing your story. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. Um, I really do appreciate it, man. Amazing. Thank you. Keep up the good work. The 
thank you once again for taking a little time out of your day to invest in yourself, your personal development, your well-being by listening to this episode of the show. I trust that you got a lot of value out of it. And as always, I recommend that you jot down your key takeaways and put them into action. Implementation is the key. Now, as always, I do have a favor to ask at the end of the show. It means the world to me and my team. If you could give us a review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. We do this podcast each and every week out of the love of it, out of the um, passion that we have for bringing these guest experts and their experience and their perspectives straight to you every single week. Um, And really, we do it because we care and it it does mean the world to us and really makes our day and and gives us a big smile when we see someone who's subscribed to the show or shared it with their social media uh, or given us an amazing review. So please do give us that five stars. And if you're loving the show, share it with someone you know. It's the best way to be part in creating that ripple effect. You know, this is not just about you fulfilling your potential and living a happy life. It's also about you having the opportunity to give that gift to your loved ones and to those around you as well. Don't forget, as always, we highly recommend that you connect with our amazing sponsor of the show, Monkey Brew. All of the links you'll need are in the show notes below. And of course, If you are compelled or feel drawn to connect more with me or with BU Coaching and find out more about accelerating your personal development and well-being journey, head to our website, bucoaching.org, where you can access free tools and you can find out more about starting your freshman year here at BU. But until the next time you and I catch up, you know what we do. Make an impact, start with self and be you.